morning. Welcome to Jesus in Coffee with Pastor Tom, where we have a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. We are in 1 John chapter 2. It's not verse 1 and 2, as I have in my notes. It's actually verse 5 through 6. Um, but that is where we are at this morning. And we're going to look again back at some, some previous verses. Uh, just to clarify things, let me go ahead and change this. 5 through 6. There we go. Um, so this end, this is going to end chapter 2, looking at verse 5 and 6. But let's go ahead and read it, and uh, we'll expand on it. So verse 5 says, But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Okay, the he here. It's talking about Jesus, right? Just a few verses earlier in verse 1 and 2. I don't have them up here. But in verse 1 and 2, um, it talked about Jesus. And it gave some specific, it gave some specific uh, things about Jesus. His righteousness, which is his sinlessness. It talked about how he was the propitiation for our sins. So if we say we have no sin then what's the need for him? That's kind of the argument that John's making there in a good way. He's trying to argue against this false teaching that is going on in the church. The false teaching saying that Jesus wasn't here in the flesh, that sin isn't really important, that you can live in sin and it doesn't matter. God's not concerned with that. It's it, He's only concerned about your spirit and your soul. John's trying to explain that that doctrine is wrong and very, very corrupt. And John is trying to say, I was there in the beginning. I heard Jesus speak. I heard him teach. I was there with him. He was here physically. And he wasn't here just for the spirit and the soul. He was here to cleanse us from unrighteousness that we do in our sinful flesh. Jesus himself overcame sin in the flesh, which was necessary for him to be our representative for the wrath of God. Okay, he made propitiation for our sins. That's that's what John's arguing there. So he's pretty much saying your false belief, this teaching going on, is a lie. It leads you to hell. It leads you to walk in darkness, and it leads you away from God into hell. And so he's stating here in verse five and six, kind of reiterating what he said in verse three and four. Whoever keeps his word, this is Jesus's word. What he came, what he taught. Um, what John heard in the beginning, okay, which was when Jesus came and when he, he followed him and he listened to him and was under his ministry. This is the commandments, okay? His commandments is the same as his word. If you keep his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected, okay? By this, by keeping his word, that's what by this means, we may know that we are in him. In other words, we have fellowship with Jesus, with God. We have fellowship with him. We have a mended relationship, which is what we're looking for through salvation, which is what we're looking for through the propitiation that Jesus provided. Okay, that big word again, which means that Jesus came in and took our place and he appeased the wrath of God by being sinless and dying for our sins, okay? Whoever says, again, 
again, John brings out this idea of just saying that you love God isn't enough. Just saying that you believe Jesus died on the cross is not enough, okay? There must be action that follows that. There must be obedience. He is not saying that actions and the obedience provide salvation. He is saying that actions and obedience are the result of salvation, okay? It's not enough to just say you believe in God and believe that Jesus died on the cross. As James says in the book of James, the demons even know that Jesus died on the cross and they believe he did, but that does not mean that they're saved. There's a difference. The demons reject Jesus even though they know what he did was true and it brings salvation. They reject him. People can do the same thing. Just because you say you believe Jesus died on the cross and just because you say you have a relationship with him does not mean you have accepted him into your heart. The acceptance and the evidence of that is that you have surrendered to his commands and his word. You seek to keep his word. Okay. By this, by living this way and seeking to keep his word, we may know that we are in him. This gives proof that we know God and have a relationship with him. Whoever says he abides in him ought, should, walk in the same way in which he walked. He's talking about Jesus here. And he even specifically uses the term walked in a physical sense and in a metaphorical sense. Okay? How he lived. And he does that just again, this is another statement of John saying, yeah, Jesus was physically here. He wasn't just a spirit. Okay, it's another way for him to plug that in there, the whole idea that Jesus was really here because the, the false teaching is saying that he wasn't, that he was just a spirit. He didn't have a physical body. So John's going to keep plugging these little things in like this to remind them that Jesus was physically here. Okay, stop teaching his false doctrine. Now, Let's back up a second, because if you just read these two verses, and you see this word here, perfected, um, and, and whoever abide, says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way. You see this terminology here, same way. You're going to think, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, I believe in God, and I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he was truly here. I believe he was sinless. I believe he rose again. I believe he made propitiation for my sin, and I am working hard to keep his commandments, okay? And I am working hard to keep his word, as John is telling me is evidence that I love him, and I am walking in the light, and I have fellowship with him, and all of those good things, okay? But I fail at times. He's saying here that the one who does this is perfected, but I'm, I'm not perfect. And the Bible even reminds me that I'm not perfect. And Paul even talks about how Christians, those who are walking in the light, are not perfect. Okay, so what is John saying here? Because I can't be perfect. Am I supposed to be perfect and, and be the same way in which Jesus walked? Because the way Jesus walked is he never failed. He never sinned. He never failed spiritually, right? He was perfect. He was sinless. He was the spotless lamb of God. So if we're supposed to walk in the same way in which he walked and we're supposed to be perfected, I can't do that. But I'm trying. John, I'm trying. I'm trying to do what you say where we keep his commandments. I believe God was here in the flesh. I believe that he is perfecting me. 
but I am not perfected yet. Is that right? John would say, yes, you're correct. John is not saying here that you automatically become perfect when you start to seek to keep his word and you seek to keep his commandments. That's not what he's saying. Like I said yesterday, as a Christian, you're still going to sin. John knows this. He's already given an answer for this question. If we just back up into chapter 1 and look at verse 8 through 10 again, okay? All right? Because if that's what John was saying, if that's what he meant in these two verses here, that you're expected to never sin anymore, then he would be contradicting himself, okay? So in verse 8 through 10, let me make this a little bit bigger. Hold on. Hold on a second. Okay. In verse 8 through 10, he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay? So up here in verse 5 through 6, he's not saying that all of a sudden you become perfect when you get saved. Okay? That's not what he's saying. But in these verses, he tells us there is still sin there. And in verse 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So he's not saying here that all of a sudden you become sinless. Otherwise, he wouldn't be telling you that you can go to God. In verse 9, he's telling you, listen, you can go to God at any point in time and confess your sins. Believers and non-believers, okay, that's the first step for, for a non-believer to become a believer is to confess your sins, right? You first need to realize that you're a sinner and that you're sick before you're ever going, going to embrace a remedy, right? You don't go to the, to the doctor and ask for an antibiotic if you're well. You don't. You would be crazy, right? But when you realize that you're sick and you have an ailment and you have an infection, then you go to the doctor and say, listen, I have an infection. I can't get rid of it on my own. I need a cure. And then you take that cure. This is the first step. Confessing your sins is really realizing that you are sick and you need an antibiotic. Okay? That's the first step for salvation. Christians understand this well because they made that first step of confessing your sin. But they also understand that you're going to have to do this continually in your life. In your life, this is part of being a believer. This is part of following Christ. You will continually have to come back and confess your sins and repent of them. <clears throat> he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A Christian walks in the way Jesus did, in the same way we're seeking to be like Jesus. We're seeking, seeking to be like Christ. And God is perfecting us and in a way, he has perfected us because Christ was perfect in the perfect sacrifice. But we're still going to struggle with sin, and John knows that. And that's why he told us back here in verse 8 through 10, listen, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Understand that you can go to God and confess your sins, and he will forgive you. He is faithful and just. If you genuinely are confessing and repenting of your sin, he will forgive you 70 times 7, right? Continually, never-ending. Because the blood of Jesus Christ and the propitiation that he made for your sins is everlasting and will continually cover your sins for all eternity. You can trust in that. You can believe in that. But what you can't do is deny that you have any sin in you and expect the propitiation of Jesus Christ for your sins to cover you, right? 
because you don't even realize that you're sick. If you don't realize that you're sick and you reject being sick, you're not going to go get the antibiotic, right? So you're not going to genuinely embrace the salvation of Jesus Christ. So how can you be saved? To be saved, you must first recognize you're sick with sin. You must confess it, reject it, and then fight against it with the help of God, the antibiotic, right? You go get the antibiotic and then you reject this bacterial infection of sin in your heart and you take the antibiotic, you embrace Jesus Christ and he cleanses out the, the, the evil within you, the corruption, right? And it's by his power that the corruption is gone. But you have to first embrace it and recognize you need it. Those who say there is no sin in him don't do that. They don't ever take the antibiotic. They don't ever take Jesus Christ. They're lying. It's like they're saying, oh, I believe in Jesus and Jesus is my Savior, but I don't need him. Huh? That's why John says we make him a liar. We are lying to ourselves. he says elsewhere, if we do that. It's like someone going to the doctor and saying, listen, I'm not sick and I don't need an antibiotic, but I'm going to tell everyone that I'm taking an antibiotic, even though I'm not actually taking it. Well, you make the doctor a liar for one thing, and you're a liar. You're lying to yourself because you don't have the antibiotic even though you say you're taking it. Just because you say you're taking it isn't enough. You must actually take it, okay? Accept that you're sick. Accept that Jesus is the remedy, and then fall upon him and embrace him and trust in him. And when you fail in sin again, you confess that sin and you take another dose of antibiotic to cleanse yourself out. That means you go to Jesus, forgive me, cleanse me, making me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a steadfast spirit within me, as David says in Psalm 51. That is what a Christian does. They're not perfect, but they're being perfected because they're constantly grabbing hold of the righteousness of Jesus Christ you need him. You need him. All right. Thank you for joining me today. At the end of the day, seek first the kingdom of God. Take care. Stay blessed. I'll see you again tomorrow. Bye.